so that the biggest barrier that I think is stopping people from living their ideal life, from living the EOS life, is they don't feel they deserve it. They don't feel they're worthy of it. They feel it's selfish. They feel guilty. And so what I always like to say, for you out there listening right now, you deserve it. Hey everybody, this is Mike Payton with the EOS Leader Podcast, and today I bring you a special episode, a rebroadcast of an interview I did live with Gino Wickman about his latest book, The EOS Life. The EOS Life is about living your ideal life while owning, running, or leading in an entrepreneurial company. And even though it's not the typical interview done as part of the EOS Leader series, it is important for you to listen to this episode. We'll describe what the EOS life really is, why it's important, and how to live it. And if you already know what the EOS life is all about and you're just curious about what gave Gino the inspiration for the book and what went into creating it, you'll enjoy the episode as well. So please tune in. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Welcome everyone to the EOS Life, an intimate discussion about living your ideal life. My name's Mike Payton, I'm a longtime EOS implementer, and I'm here with my friend and mentor, Gino Wickman, the creator of EOS and the founder, with his business partner, Don Tinney, of EOS Worldwide. We're here today to go deep with Gino about his latest passion project, the publishing of the book, The EOS Life. I'm going to start the conversation and we're also hoping that you'll submit your EOS Life questions by using hashtag EOS Life on any social platform. I'll do my best to work them into the conversation. We're also planning to host an exclusive live virtual Q&A with Gino on September 23rd. So if we don't answer the question you have today, you'll have a chance to do that yourself next month. Gino, thanks for agreeing to appear on this interview with me, and uh, I'm really looking forward to talking through this with you. It is a pleasure. I am very much looking forward to this, and you just make me smile <laughs> looking at you and listening to you talk. So as I always say before we begin every conversation, Peyton, my brother. So uh, that's so exactly right. Looking that's forward exactly to right. So let's start at a high level if we can. Yeah. What was it that inspired you to write this book? Well, for starters... I swore I would never write this book. <laughs> so after the first five EOS books in the Traction Library and selling the company, I wasn't going to write it. And then I urged many other implementers to write it. And it just wasn't getting written. And then a pandemic hit. And I was no longer on a plane every three weeks. I was not in a hotel room 40 nights a year. And so I just had this excess capacity and I truly believe it was a calling. I mean, I was just kind of called to do it. Something just hit me one day, and I said to myself, I got to write the EOS Life book. And so uh, Kelly and I talked, Kelly Knight and I, and uh, there it was. And so I just took my August sabbatical, came back on September 1st, and started writing. Yeah, and I, if I recall, you told me that book flowed out of you in a way oh. that you haven't 
experienced before. The way I described it, it flowed out of me like water. I mean, it literally just, the words just flowed. And I wrote that book in three months, which is warp speed. They normally take about a year and a half. I mean, it just, it was just all right there. It was just a matter of channeling it from wherever it comes from and getting it on paper. When you're in the flow. It's it's always fun. I most certainly was. So walk the audience through what the EOS life is Mm -hmm. at a high level, please. Sure. AKA, it's living your ideal life. And so it's all about how to live your ideal life. And we came to call it the EOS life. And we'll get into some of that backstory, I'm sure. And so the way that we defined it, it was with five things that Don Tinney came to describe them. And so the EOS life is doing what you love with people you love, making a huge impact, getting paid well for it or compensated appropriately. And then five is having time for other passions. And so Don so masterfully kind of put that all in a nutshell. And so that's the EOS life in a nutshell. Yeah. And so uh, for whom was the book written? So just like everything that I do in this realm, first and foremost, I'm always focused on helping that visionary entrepreneur become a better entrepreneur. And so that's, you know, why I work, what gets my blood pumping. And so first and foremost, it's that visionary entrepreneur. Secondarily, it's that entrepreneurial leadership team as well. And so I I want to, in one foul swoop, say the leadership team, which would include the visionary, but I do lead with my passion is, if I can get that visionary right in their head, everything else is right. And so for me, it starts there, but but then it's bigger than that because for the entrepreneurial leadership team that is savvy enough and lives this life, it's for every single person in that organization because they all have the opportunity to do those five things. And then their family has that same opportunity, but it starts with that visionary entrepreneur. And so I don't want to put a percentage on it, but the majority of it is the focus on those leadership team members. Yeah. So two things to unpack there. So first of all, you know, we've talked for 15 years now about how unfortunate it is that so many people who start and run entrepreneurial companies aren't living their ideal lives. I'm having a great time already, Peyton. Yeah, that's good. As as of I, Gino. So you're driven by a desire to help the entrepreneur because too many entrepreneurs aren't are feeling like they're not able Mm -hmm. to live their ideal lives. And then the second point I want to unpack a little bit in this conversation is when the entrepreneur, the founder, the visionary isn't living their ideal lives, it's awfully hard for anybody else on the leadership team or in the trenches to live their life in the way they want to live it as well. So, So talk about why you see so many entrepreneurs feeling stuck and overwhelmed and trapped by their business. So when you say why, I feel like I want to answer it a little bit different, and I think I'm answering what you're asking. And so it really stems from what is it that I saw that made me so passionate about wanting to spend and devote my life to helping entrepreneurs? And so I'll try and tell it as fast as I can, but it started with taking over a family business, and it started with helping my visionary 
entrepreneur dad who's just a flaming visionary, pure entrepreneur, built an amazing empire. And I ended up taking that business over when it was in need of a turnaround. And so I spent a total of eight years turning around, running and selling that business. And so it was eight years of being the integrator to my visionary father and realizing that I have a knack for this. You know, I'm good at this. I'm good at reining this crazy energy in, harnessing it, and ultimately, you know, putting that entrepreneur in their sweet spot. So that's part one. That was the experience that I realized I loved and I was good at, but there in no way was it, I realized it was a passion or something I wanted to teach or do. And so the second part of the story is then um, when I was about 27, I think plus or minus a year, I joined YEO, the Young Entrepreneurs Organization, now known as EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization. And I was one of the original 10 members of the Detroit chapter. And so two guys are the founders of the Detroit chapter and they wrangled and rounded up the rest of us and we basically kicked off YEO Detroit at the time. And so what happened there is it was an incredible experience. And, and, but about a year and a half into that, one of the parts of EO is you're meeting with your forum every month. And so here I am, I'm meeting with, ultimately there were 12 of us. We met every single month and a year and a half in, listening to everything that they were dealing with. So I'm going to do everything in my power to not use profanity on this interview. <laughs> but when I'm quoting someone else, I think you're that's okay. To I use agree. Profanity. Yeah. And even when you're quoting yourself, you're allowed to use <laughs> profanity. So a year and a half in, here, here I am looking at these uh, 11 other peers and realizing, and so this was the aha, I went in my head, wow, these guys are as fucked up as I am. <laughs> and so my mind went, opportunity. So I just saw opportunity because then what I found myself doing is helping my EO brethren. And so I just, I had a knack for helping my dad. I had a knack for helping them. And so that's when I realized, and then the last little part is right around then I got involved in strategic coach. Dan Sullivan is a very important mentor in my life. And he ultimately put the finishing touches on me realizing my unique ability. And so that's when I realized that's what I am here to do. And upon selling the family business, transitioning out of the role over a year and a half, I just jumped in, leapt in with both feet to go help people get what they want from their businesses. Got it. Is living your ideal life always something that's come naturally to you or if you had to learn these disciplines yourself? So most of me wants to say yes when I think about the first four. So I think I've always been pretty good at doing what I love and the things that I'm great at. Not that I, in my 20s, it was perfect, far from that, but I was always savvy enough to stop doing something that wasn't fun to me and go do something that was fun. And so I was pretty good at doing what I love. With people I love, I was pretty good at that as well. In terms of choosing the right people, I was always really good about staying away from poisonous people, making an impact. You know, I think I always did that to a certain degree and then getting paid well. You know, I've always made money. I've always been really good at making money. And we get to the fifth one. <laughs> and there was the fifth one, there was never time for other passions because my passion was business. My passion was all of those things I did in my 20s. So I was just terrible at that from a standpoint of having a personal life that involved passions. And so that's 
I just worked, man. In my 20s, I just worked until I had a light bulb moment. So I would say yes on the first four was always kind of natural. Fifth one, not so much. I needed a wake-up call on number five. Yeah, and so tell us about the wake-up call, because I think that might be my favorite section of the book. Yeah, and so I always confuse the ages a little bit, but I'll do my best to recall. And so when my daughter was somewhere around four years old, and again, I'm, I'm guessing as best I can, and I was probably somewhere around 28, plus or minus a year, I was getting in the car, getting ready to leave for work, My car was in the driveway and she comes out of the house and before I shut the door, she comes over and she stands right here. And so I've got the car door open like this and she's right there and she looks up to me and she goes, dad, are you going home? And I was like, I mean, even right now, it's like, oh my God. And so that was the light bulb moment that, wow, man, I am screwing this thing up. So again, obviously she did not think I lived there because she never saw me there or rarely saw me there. And so I said, no, sweetie, daddy lives here. This is, this is my home. And so anyway, oh, so that woke me up and changed, you know, how I live the personal life. So t- walk us through the thing, realizing that you needed to get better at setting aside time for other passions like your family, what are the things you learned to do that helped you live your ideal life and be there for Hmm. Alexis when she wanted you there? Yeah. You know, I wish I could give you specifics. So all I can do, the best way to answer it is shoot forward in time now. And I know all of my passions and they're all so simple. And so assuming we get a little deeper into that a little bit later, you know, for everyone out there listening, you know, your passions, you know, it doesn't have to be hella skiing. It doesn't have to be parachuting. You know what I mean? So my passions are very simple. I love going to the movies with my wife. Um, I love going for walks. I love going for a bike ride. I love traveling. Um, and so it's really simple stuff. I love being with my family. I love being with my friends. I just relish those moments. And so those are the things that I'm passionate about. I love to read. And so these are all simple things but I make time for all those things. And so again, when it comes to the kids and when it comes to that aha moment, you know, if they had events, I made sure I was there most of the time. It's not like I made them all. Um, I don't know that I would win a father of the year award, but um, I believe my kids do love me. I believe they do respect me. You'd have to ask them, but you know, I think they think I'm a pretty good dad. We love each other very much. We spend a lot of time together. So I just made sure that I spent time on their stuff with them. Well, and I've had the pleasure of meeting both your kids several times and they appear to not only love and appreciate you, but they want to emulate the way you live your life. No, that's, nice. that's my observation. That's so nice. kudos to you. Yeah, I'm right. the only one screwed up in the family. Everybody else is really healthy. Isn't step one getting back in touch with what it is you love to do? What I'm watching is we're all so busy and so tired and so overwhelmed and the business needs us to be great at 27 things. A lot of leaders and entrepreneurs out there get pretty good at stuff that they don't really love doing and they lose track of what it is really drives them and the reason they started the business in the first place. Are you seeing the same thing? So I'd answer it, I'd say it a little different. What I would say <laughs> is, is it's, it's, it's not linear. You know, the five things are not linear. Right. So it's not like start doing stuff you love and you're great at and then work on this one and then work on this one. And so you'll see how I, 
how I teach it in the book because there's a visual I illustrate and it's these five circles around you and you're working on all of them because I would suggest for one person, they need to work on number two right now and fire a couple bad eggs and bring in some great people so that you're doing it with people you love and it's those two people that you don't love so much that are preventing you from doing the stuff you love and you're great at. So the point I'm making in that is it's, it's, you need to work on all of it a little bit. And what I'm getting you to do is once a quarter, just pick one little thing to do for this one, one little thing to do for this one, one and then you're, you're, you're moving that needle. And then worst case, if you can only do one out of all five, you know, sometimes it's number four, sometimes it's number two. So no, I would not look at it as first start doing the stuff you love and you're great at and then yeah. work on the next stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk about number two because it is all interdependent. Sometimes the reason you're stuck doing stuff you don't love doing is you don't have anybody else in your organization who you can trust to do it as well as you. Mm -hmm. So talk about surrounding yourself with people you yeah. love. What's yeah. in the yeah. way of making that happen and, yeah. and what are some thinking tools to help yeah. make progress? Right, so, so this is why I did that really big context at the beginning so that I could keep coming back to the tools because again, God, that makes so much sense to everyone. You know, let's do this with people we love. Well, with EOS and the EOS process, as we're taking you through that as a client, we are tricking you into surrounding yourself with people you love. So what's happening with that is we're first tricking you by getting you to discover your core values, okay? And, and some people don't like the word trick, so I'll try not to use that too much, but the point is you don't really know what's going on. In other words, you're my client, I know exactly what your life's gonna look like in two years, and that's what motivates me to work with you every single quarter. So we start by getting you to discover your core values, and once you've done that, you now have this awareness of these three to seven characteristics that define who you are at your core, and then we get you to create an accountability chart and create a bunch of seats in your organization. And then we pull it together by saying, okay, are every one of your people that you're surrounded by inside your company, do they all have those core values, people analyzer? And are they all in the right seat in that accountability chart, get it, want it, capacity? And so at the end of that, it's so abundantly clear, people start to get fired. I like using the word fired, and I will use it for the rest of my life. See the laws in your states. Um, <laughs> And there are people that will leave. And so that's all good stuff because then they're being replaced by all the right people in the right seats. And the people that get fired or go away, it's not that they were bad. It's not that they're evil. This is just not the place for them. This is not the culture for them. And so they're gonna go somewhere and thrive, just not here. And so what's happening is, again, for lack of a better term right now, the bad ones go away, the ones that didn't fit, great ones come in that are the right people in the right seat. And all of a sudden you look up in your 100 person organization that once had like 20 bad eggs that were dragging the whole thing down are gone, replaced by great people. And now everyone is, they're all just people you love. And I don't know if you're gonna go here, but I'm gonna start to go here and you tell me if you want to. But I would suggest that that's step one. That's the easy part. Like I can help a company do that in their sleep. Our 400 plus implementers around the world can help a company do that in their sleep. You can read traction and do that in your sleep. Now I'm making it sound overly simplistic. What I'm saying is, okay, that's the easy part. Now, maybe the better word is simple because it isn't so easy, but now you're there and let's pretend your 50 person organization now has 50 of the right people in the right seat and you just love being around these people. That's step one. When you get there, then I urge you and teach you how to then widen your circle. Because when I say do it with people you love, 
I'm talking about all aspects here. I'm talking about try that on for a minute. So now picture all of your investors, vendors, customers, clients, anyone that touches your business, you run them through a people analyzer and make sure they have your core values and they get it, want it, and have the capacity to be involved in this thing you're creating. And then let's expand it even further to your personal life. And let's take a look at all the people in your life. Are you surrounding yourself with people that align with your core values? Are you, the litmus test is always when you spend an hour with someone, do you walk away from that hour feeling uplifted, energized, happy, fulfilled? Or do you walk away feeling less than and sadly, most people walk away from those conversations, those get-togethers, feeling less than. Now, you can't fire every family member. You can fire every friend. You certainly can get divorced. That's how you fire your spouse. But nonetheless, if you really understand the power of that, so, or your spouse fires you. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. But that's the message I would love this audience to hear is the possibility. And again, just move the needle, move yeah. the needle. One of you out there tomorrow, you are about to go have a drink, have a coffee, have a lunch with someone that is going to make you feel like shit. So if you're out there and you're a leader and you're struggling with how do I make an impact, see your VTO. And it's probably in the core focus is the, the best place to look, but it's all over that VTO. So, so the way that a company makes an impact on the world is by executing what's in their VTO, their vision traction organizer. And every leader on the leadership team has that same opportunity where maybe they're impacting their department, you know, or their division or their team. And so start with the VTO. But there are other opportunities to create an impact in the world. And, and so an example is there's this great quote, and I can't remember, you may know who this quote was from because um, it was Kurt Schneiber, one of our EOS implementers that stood up and said this at one of the quarterly collaborative exchanges. And it's the quote that says, you are not a leader until you have created a leader who has created a leader. And so I find that statement to be so profound. And I don't know that I'm quoting it perfectly, but the gist is in there. And so if you think about that, I cannot consider myself a leader until I have created a leader, until I've coached, mentored, guided, and got someone to the level that they consider themselves a leader but they can't consider themselves a leader until they have done the same thing for someone else. So quick math says you're about 10 years away from creating a leader or considering yourself a leader if you're just starting today. But the point in that is you wanna talk about impact, You know, talking to a visionary entrepreneur out there, talking to a leadership team member out there, you have le potential leaders all around you. And if you could turn one of those people into a great leader who can turn other people into leaders, just imagine the impact on the world from that standpoint. But then it could be as simple as going and getting on the board for your favorite charity. I mean, there's so many other things. But the simplest answer and the quickest answer is look at the VTO and get really passionate about the impact that your company is having on this world. But there are lots of ways to yeah. make an impact. Yeah, and I see clients who are really passionate about their profession and they want to be the best on the planet at, yeah. at that yeah. and whatever whatever your definition of the impact is, find it and, and work hard towards it. And again, remember, we're talking about moving the needle, so don't feel like tomorrow you're gonna figure out yeah. 
what that impact is going to be. I hope, I hope that's the case, but sometimes it takes you a little time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this too. Sometimes having the conversation with your leadership team and spitballing what it is that gets you out of bed every morning and, and why you come to work doing what you do every day reminds the founding entrepreneur why they started the business here, here. in the first place. Here, and here. So don't be afraid to ask for help is, is another point. Here, here. Uh, let's talk about being compensated appropriately or being paid well. In the book, you talk about having to remind yourself that it's okay to do work you love and get paid well. Why is that so hard for so many leaders? Getting compensated appropriately is the way that Don worded it. You know, it's getting paid well and it's and it's being comfortable making a lot of money. I haven't met too many people that don't want to make a lot of money, but it's all relative. So for one person, $50,000 a year is getting compensated appropriately and they're very happy. And for another, $5 million is, isn't even close to enough. So there's no wrong answer here. So you have to decide for yourself what compensated appropriately means. Simply put, if you're sitting out there and you don't feel you're making enough money, then you're not being compensated appropriately in your mind. And, and so let's pretend you're making 50 grand today, you want to make 100 grand you got to start to move the needle in that direction. Well, the way you do that is by creating value. Okay. And so it's all about value. And, and what you have to ask yourself is if you're sitting there making 50 grand a year and you're not getting to a hundred grand a year, and that's the appropriate conversation you want, look at the value. And if, and if you're, you know, so I'm trying to do the fast math on 50 grand a year. And what is that? That's like 25 bucks an hour, right? Doing fast math. I think that's right. Look at what you're doing because you're probably doing $25 an hour work. And there's nothing wrong with that. Making $15 an hour, $35 an hour, $1,000 an hour, all appropriate. But if you're doing $25 an hour work every day and you're wanting to make 100 grand a year, something's got to change with the equation. And so look at the value. And so let's start with, let's pretend we're talking to that visionary entrepreneur and their company and they're not generating enough profit. Look at the value you're providing the world. You are probably not providing enough value to the world. You're probably not providing enough value to your customers and clients. And so really look at that. You need to charge more. You need to sell more. There's something broken there. If you're a leadership team member, again, and you're stuck at 100 grand and you want to make 200 grand, you're probably providing $100,000 in value. And so how can you provide $200,000 in value? How can you provide more value to the company? And then again, if you're a machinist standing in a machine making $35,000, you want to make $70,000, figure out how to add more value. And so I don't know if that makes sense, if that helps, but that's my that, that, fastest answer. That does it. And that works if you're employed a leadership team member or own your own business. How here, can here. I create more value here, here. to people who are compensating me? You know, and sometimes it's always easiest to use a salesperson as example that's on a hundred percent commission because that that's how you know you're creating value as a salesperson. If you're not making any money, you're not providing value. If you're making a million, salespeople are the highest paid people on the planet. If you're making a hundred grand a year, it's because you're adding value. And again, so, so that's the best way, you know, it's the best way to look at it because if you have a salary job, it's, it's a little amorphous and hard to get your arms around that. So I always like to use that salesperson example to maybe help it click for someone. So add more value. If you're not making enough money, add more value. What role does the risk reward equation play in the thinking about appropriate compensation? That's one of the things you mentioned learning a lot about in your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Well, I'm reminded of this visual that my dad taught me when I was like 18 years old, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. And he said, picture this glass tube, 
okay? And it's in the shape of a U, and on this side is risk, and on this side is reward. And he said, if you pour fluid into this side or that side, it's gonna go in there and it's gonna fill up equally. And so the point in that is the higher the risk, the higher the reward. And that has been proven now for at least 10,000 years of human history. And so those that take bigger risks tend to get bigger rewards. So that visual is sometimes helps yeah, and, it click. And sometimes the way to create more value in the world is doing something for someone that's never been done before or, or experimenting with the way you're doing your job every day that might increase productivity or reduce defects or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you're doing it the same way you've always done it and expecting to get paid more, here, here. that's not gonna work. Here, here. And I would also suggest that, again, if you're making 50 grand, 100 grand, 250, you wanna double that income, to double that income, it is going to require some level of risk. There's, it's not going to be real comfortable. And most people don't like to get uncomfortable. And so that discomfort is risk. Got it, got it. Uh, one last thing, I uh, thought for sure you were gonna quote uh, Dan Sullivan in this conversation about being compensated appropriately, but I run into a lot of business owners, business leaders, who are uncomfortable charging an appropriate amount for the value they are creating. So you're, so I think you're talking about this. And, and so, you know, for me, I'm thinking about that individual. So we go to a company that's charging for their product and a visionary entrepreneur that's gotta make this very tough decision, what am I gonna charge for my product or service, right? So Dan's formula is to pick the number that scares you the most and add 20%. So that's his rule of thumb, which is, Pretty damn spot on. And when you're creating real value in the world, don't be afraid here, here. to charge appropriately here, for the here. value you're creating. And just like as, as an EOS implementer, when I started out, my daily fee was 1500 bucks. So every time I would raise my fee about every two or three years, I would be like, God, why didn't I do that sooner? Why didn't Because nobody balked. I didn't lose one client. So I always kicked myself because I never went all the way to scary plus 20%. I was doing more like 10% under scary. And every time you do it, you have that sort of fear here, here. that, that uh, you know, In maybe- worst case, if you got it wrong, you go out of business. Hey, <laughs> Sarah. Risk reward, risk reward. <laughs> all right, let's talk about time for other passions. How do you figure out what your other passions are and how do you set aside the appropriate time yeah. to pursue those? So I'd say a couple of things here, you know, so again, just, be aware. So, you know, a lot of this just starts with awareness. So once you say, you know what, I need to start thinking about what my passions are. I need to start allocating time to passions. Think about things that get you excited, that get your blood pumping a little bit. You know, it might be working on cars. It might be, anyway, we can come up with a thousand things right now. Bike riding like it is for me. Whatever it is, just start to be aware of those things and then try a bunch of stuff, you know? So it's just moving the needle. If you think you're passionate about collecting stamps, go try collecting some stamps and you might decide in six months, this really sucks. And so then go try something else, try something else, try something else. My belief is that most people already know some of the things they're passionate about. So it's actually more about a formula. And again, the tool that we trick you with in EOS is called EOS time management. And so what we're doing at that point in the process with a client, when we're looking at the accountability chart complete and we illustrate a seat, we're saying, okay, here comes EOS time management. So all you have is 100% of your working time. 
And so you get to decide what that is. And every company is different, and it's typically cultural, but let's hypothetically pretend a person decides, I'm a 50-hour-a-week person. That's the time I want to commit to work in my profession. The idea is to then protect that. And any time the capacity ball starts to fill, you got to delegate and elevate and get back to that 100%. So it starts with you deciding what your 100% is. And so I'm a 55-hour-a-week guy. That's, that's my rule of thumb. I've got clients that are 35-hour-a-week people, and I've got clients that are 85-hour-a-week people. Again, it's all cultural. It's all fine. There's no good or bad here. But at least now you know your 100%. You know how much time you're going to devote, which that means every second over that 100%, is devoted to your personal life now. And so a lot of times it's just freeing up the time, making that commitment to decide your 100%, protect your 100%, free up those hours to now go do the thing you already know you're passionate about. You've just not made it a priority and you've been a prisoner to your business and your 100% is this ever expanding amalgamation of time that you can't get your arms around. Yeah, two interesting personal experiences I wanna talk about there. So number one, some of us are sort of card-carrying workaholics mm -hmm. by trade. And so I had a very similar painful experience with a family member where it was clear to me and everybody in my family how much harder I worked to serve my business well than I was willing to work to serve my family well. <laughs> and so I had an aha that said, I don't need to sacrifice my commitment to my business. I need to make as big or bigger sacrifices for my family as I'm willing to make for the business. Mm -hmm. It needs to be equal. Mm -hmm. And I think we all get into this habit of thinking our family will and should understand, whereas our clients or our coworkers don't. Have you seen other mm. people or is that just me being hmm, God, somewhat of a mess? Well, <laughs> um, I was hoping for a different no, answer. Uh, my mind goes in a few different directions on that. And, I, and I'm a little fearful that I'm going to say something that's going to be misinterpreted or captured because, you know, if you're a visionary entrepreneur and you just took your entrepreneurial leap in the last two years, you're going to be a pretty busy woman, okay? Or a pretty busy man for a little while here. And you need a family that is supportive of that because you're probably not working 35 hours a week in most cases. But please understand, you can start a business and work 35 hours a week. So you need a family that supports that. You need a spouse that supports that. And so let's pretend you do. In that case, assuming you have a supportive spouse, then you probably do need to make the business a high priority for a little while. For the long run, so I always had a very supportive spouse. Kathy is, I mean, she has held all the pieces together for me, you know, at home. But again, I had my aha, I carved out a lot more time for home, don't get me wrong. But I want to be careful because hearing your question, I fear that, you know, that visionary that loves working 65 hours a week, there's nothing wrong with that if the spouse supports it, if the family supports it, because there's still plenty of time to do great stuff at home and live your passions working 65 hours a week. That's a little intense. I would never do it. So it's kind of all relative. So I, I, so I would just want to be careful with, with how you ask that. So everybody's answer is different. 
and 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 then that's the other thing is you may have a spouse that is not supportive at all wants you home constantly wants you working 25 hours a week and that's just not an option for you then you got a whole nother conversation to have there and and i promise you there is a spouse out there that would support you working you know 55 hours a week so this but it's a decision you have to make or you got to decide you know what honey i love you i'm going to work 25 hours a week for you that's for the you know that's for that relationship to decide what works best for them and that was a very helpful answer because that was part of the problem for sure so here's my second thing so when people hear time for other passions i think there's a little competitiveness you mentioned this earlier your passions are your passions exactly but i see people all the time where there's one member of the leadership team who's into heli skiing or mountain climbing or being one of the first passengers to go to a commercial flight to Mars. And, and so those of us who are passionate about our family and, and recreational reading yeah. and sitting on a beach doing nothing sort of feel like we're not living our ideal <laughs> lives because we can't compete. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, that's so dangerous. So, you know, one person can have a passion for race car driving and another person can have a passion for gardening those two things look very different in action, okay? So it's a choice. So this person is getting energy, is filled up, is in heaven doing their gardening. This person is filled up and energized and happy race car driving. So it's, there's no, it's not like the more you're risking your life, the more you're living a passion. It's not, there's no formula, there's no scale yeah. that measures it that well, way. Well, and without any thrills involved, I have a good friend, no kids, who's constantly saying to me, hair on fire, visionary, well, Peyton, when do you take time for yourself? Well, my passion happens to be watching my 11 and 14 year old boys play soccer. I get here, tremendous here. joy from seeing them enjoy a game that I also love. and. To him, that feels like I'm obligated to go do that mm -hmm. thing. And so it's nice to hear you say, here, here. if it brings you joy, it's a passion, lean into that. Now, and then I probably shouldn't say this because my kids may stop loving me after I share this, but <laughs> this is what's cool about what you said, because I had utter disdain for going to my kids' sporting <laughs> events. I, I, there's nothing about it I love, yeah. but I go for them yeah. because it's important to them. So I didn't do that out of passion. I did that out of relationship, staying married, you know, because it was the right thing to do. But I didn't get anything like what you got. Sorry, Alexis and Gino, <laughs> wherever you are. But they already knew that. You know, Kathy already knew yeah. that. But I, but I knew it was the right thing to do. So we're all different. And so you're out there and you're saying... I, I just really don't enjoy going to my eight-year-old's basketball game. You're not crazy. You know, that's not bad, but you should probably do it. If you're interested in applying what you've learned today in your own business, the five books in the Traction Library can be helpful resources on your journey. You can learn more about those five books and actually order them at a deep discount by visiting eosworldwide.com.